Hi everybody, welcome to season three, episode 17 of the Hard Truth Inside the Football Injury Podcast with me, Philip Heitzen and Dara McAnthony, chairman, co-owner of Peterborough United. And Dara, we missed last week doing the podcast. You were traveling uh, back in the UK. What's what's the plan? Well, listen, first of all, we shouldn't be doing it because we got accused last week that we only do it when we win. <laughs> People must have missed like... Should be taking another break. People must have missed the 30 episodes last year in the championship, you know, when we did like episodes then. Um, no, obviously last week I was traveling, you've business on, you know, it was a cup kind of week and, and you, you know, but yeah, I mean, obviously we try and do every week when we can, um, but family business and, and, you know, whenever it's allowed, but what's it been like since I last spoke to you? Chelsea, Shrewsbury, Barnsley. Yeah, destroyed by the Chelsea 17-year-olds, uh, Shrewsbury obviously beat us comfortably at their place, I say comfortably, we obviously we missed like fucking a heap of chances the second half, but the game was over at halftime, it was 3-1. Um, so right about cups. So I don't want to mention the word. Oh, you like to make money out of cups because we'll be accused of we're in trouble again financially. And we need to, every club at our level needs cup runs. And we obviously wanted to win the EFL trophy and we wanted to get to the third, fourth round of the FA Cup. They were like massive targets. So out about cups by November. So I've come over. We're obviously, you know, we've lost a couple of, in a row in the league and then we play Barnsley on Friday. So you're kind of expecting a reaction. And how can I describe Barnsley on Friday? We were outplayed. We were outcoached. We were outpressed. Um, they should have been three up in the first 20 minutes. Um, we got an equalizer in the 20th minute. And you thought, okay, here we go. Nothing in until halftime. You think, okay, come out after halftime. We're on our patch. You know, Friday night under the lights, let's do the business. Nope, didn't have a wank in us. Um, Barnsley scored they scored from two set pieces they could have scored from four and both goals came from like shots outside the box with nobody closing down the shots it was just so apoplectic and then the worst part was I think there was half an hour left in the game when they scored and I don't think we had a shot on goal I actually left in the 85th minute I thought we'd be playing for the next two hours here and we won't have a shot so really frustrating and I'll tell you what was really frustrating because although Barnsley came down with us last summer you know, they sold five or six of their best players. They did probably what I should have done in the bloody summer, but I, I kept everyone. You know, they sold their best players. They had a bit of a, a rebuild. It didn't happen until August. Their manager who came in from Cheltenham, very good manager, they signed a lot of players late. So their fans were probably thinking, geez, this could take us a while to get up to speed. You know, the, the, the favourites here because of losing our best players. And then they come to our place with a team that's probably only been together four months. And yeah, I, I, I felt they absolutely deserve the win. I know some people will say there was nothing in the game. I disagree. Barnsley should have been out of sight. Um, compared to us, who kept all our players, you know, improved the squad, spent money, lost one player, Sammy Schmodix. And it's frustrating. Uh, I'm, I'm really, really frustrated. Like, so, and, and I know the fans are frustrated. And, and you know, and there was the, the stuff on social media the next day. I'm in the dressing room. I was on the A1, <laughs> the 85th minute of the game, steaming back to London. Um, because you know, when things don't go well, I'm not, I'm not in good form, I'm not going to hang around after a game. Good things don't happen. You end up, I'll end up arguing with Barry, I'll end up arguing with whoever. I'll never go into the dressing room, but it's just best to get in the car and go. Yeah, your mindset is not you don't want you want to be on your own. Yeah, so the idea that I'm in the dressing room, I'm really surprised by the person who posted because you know, usually they're quite they wouldn't post nonsense like that, but that's a bit indicative of what's going on at the moment. Everyone is losing their collective minds over lots of stuff that's been said, not said, imagining things, and, and it's frustrating. But 
from a performance perspective, really, really disappointed. Really disappointed my players. You know, really disappointed because... And, and then you're thinking, and I'm thinking since Friday, you know, what 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 more could I have done since the summer? And everyone can go on about recruitment. I'm, I'm sick of hearing that. That's just everyone's favourite go-to when you don't... Look at Barnsley, look at us. So don't want to hear about that. Um, because we've got a squad that's come down from the champ. Yes, we were relegated. We're still a good team. Majority of players won promotion two years ago. You know, we've got younger players who are better. We've made additions. You know, we're stacked everywhere. You know, yes, we've had illness and injuries, but we have we have good numbers everywhere. You know, decent players. And decent players of that elk, regardless of recruitment, shouldn't be losing nine games in the league before Christmas. Never mind at the start of December. So we have the most expensive coaching staff I've ever assembled. To the point where I did it on purpose because it was give us this, give us this, give us this, and everything will improve the yeah, player. You wanted no stone left unturned to get yourself back up to the championship. Yeah, and we did that. You know, we invested really well in the infrastructure off the pitch. You know, we've given the players everything. We spend a fortune when they go away from home and beds, night beds, day beds. You know, the training ground, the chef now has an assistant. You know, sports science staff have said we've got staff everywhere. And I'm thinking they're spoiled. They're spoiled. Where's the hunger? Where's the eye of the tiger? And everyone's going to go, you shouldn't say this on the podcast. No, I'm, I'm telling the truth because I, I, I keep getting thrown at me. Well, you, you know, talking to the fans, you know, whatever else. Well, this is the truth. And this isn't something This isn't something I would not say to the players or the, the management staff. You're damn right I would. I'm down there all week at the training ground, Tuesday onwards. So now I'm thinking, you know, the hunger's not there. You got players who should absolutely dominate at this level or playing way below their level. Why? Because they feel they belong in the championship. Well, you're not there yet. Mm. So you need to go back and climb the mountain again. And sometimes I've said this before in business: you, you get to the top of the mountain, you fall back down. It's tougher to go back up. And maybe some of the players are showing that. They yeah, haven't hunger so much the second time around. They're on good wages, you know. Yeah. It's 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 an it's a well assembled squad with good wages. They're they're well off. They do okay. And we're certainly not getting value for money in any faucet at the moment. And we can talk about, well, it's streaky and whatever. Yeah, they've lost five and six, and they lost six and earlier on. But to be out of the cups, to be that abject on a Friday night at home, forget about the table, where we are. You know, no. To be talking about, well, you're going to Ipswich, and, you know, can you cause an upset? Like, with all due respect, of course, Ipswich are favourites to win. Mm-hmm. And the way we're playing at the moment, we show up like that, they will win. But with our squad, with our player, whatever, we should never go into any game thinking about, oh, we're going to upset the op- opposition. Yeah, you, you, you used to be in my front foot. Yeah, I don't know what the mindset is, and I don't know where it's come from or what the players are thinking, whatever else. But, like, really, like, we're Peterborough United. We always do well at this level. We've got a lot of good players, tremendous young players. We should go into every game, not being arrogant, not thinking you're going to walk over teams, but, like, we're on the front foot. We're going to attack and we're going to score goals and we're going to win games. So something has to change mindset-wise. Something has to change. They have to wake up and smell the coffee. Because if people look at Friday and think, oh, that was a nothing game, well, then they're living in fucking cloud cuckoo land. Like, wake the fuck up. And that goes to everybody. Like, wake up. You know, otherwise it's done. And that's the reality of the situation. And people talk about, well, you can change it in January and you recruit. You can do this, you do whatever else. No. You know, January is not a time you you make lots of signings, you rebuild. It never goes well when you do it. I think we won promotion two years ago. We didn't sign anyone in the January. And I go back to all the previous ones. It was like one, maybe two maximum. You're filling gaps. Yeah, the idea you're going to go out and fix all your problems. That No, the people at work who get paid really well should fix the problems. 
that's their job. The players need to fix the problems. Like, you know, the captain of the squad should be dragging that lot in on Saturday morning and asking a question to every one of them. What are we doing here? What are we doing? I doubt that happened. I'm sure they were probably all off for the weekend again. So, but that should be happening. That's high standards. That's what I'd expect. If I was the captain, I'd be doing that. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. That's who I am as a leader, accountability. I was going to say it's holding people accountable to a higher level. Cut out the excuses, cut out the moaning, cut out the, well, I might get a move or I might do this. More. You know, do your fucking job. Like, do your job from 1 to 11, do your job. You know, yes, you can blame management, coaches and tactical stuff and substitutions, but like 11 people are on the pitch paid to do a job, paid really well. At a time right now where people are struggling, at a time right now where there's a lot of people like financially in trouble, can't put the heating on. These players are paid thousands of pounds per week. Like, do your job, you know? And, and, and Barnsley, as an example, would be that team didn't know each other three and a half, four months ago. Our team's known each other for nearly two years. We look like strangers on Friday. They look like they've been together three years. You know, that shows you what can be done, that the answer always isn't always in, go sign 10 players, go sign five players. You know, that's just good accountability, good coaching, good togetherness. So I keep getting told it's a great group. Well, that's great, but show us you're a great group. Stop with this. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you're playing in front of your fans. Try a leg. You know, you go 1-0 down, who cares? Where's the old spirit? 2-0 down, who cares? We win 3-2. Where's that gone? So there's a bit of that going on. And I'm going to relay this. By the time this podcast will come out Wednesday, I'll have been down there Tuesday and Wednesday, and I'll relay this to everyone to remind them of their duty as employees of PW United, what's expected of them. You know, and ask them for value for money for what the club and me are paying because that's unacceptable. You know, and, and it's maybe far too much, you know, spoiled rotten. It's like my children sometimes. You know, I've overspoiled them. And I feel maybe, you know, I, I agreed to everything, gave them everything, and I probably shouldn't have. So maybe it's time to get them hungry. Maybe it's time to take some toys away. <laughs> take their iPads. <laughs> block their iPads for a couple of weeks. No, you, you, you know, why spend five grand on an away trip if that's what you're going to get? So maybe it's time they do what lots of other football clubs do and, and travel without any beds. Yeah. Yeah, without the five-star lunch, you know, without taking 28 staff members. You know, maybe it's time to go back to basics, remind them what it was like, where they came from, you know? So like I said, maybe daddy's got to take the toys away because I'm not going to continue watching that and allow that. So enough's enough. You, you said at the beginning about you were out coached on Friday. Sure. Um, could you talk a little bit about that? Well, I, I would ask my manager, that's, that's, he can defend that. And I don't want to create the headlines here and of Alan's list and whatever else. You know, I'm not sacking my manager. Am I angry with him? And Of course I am. We've just lost a lot of games. We've been knocked out of the Cups. It would be the same any manager, Darren Ferguson, whoever, you know, and sometimes you're outcoached, just like sometimes he will, or a lot of the time, outcoach other coaches. I thought on Friday night we were outcoached. I thought Barnsley had an answer for everything we tried. I thought Barnsley's fullbacks handle our wide players well. They forced us into a plan B and we didn't have one. You know, I felt Barnsley, their set pieces were unbelievable. I'm jealous. Like, you know, I thought that would be us this season. And our set pieces, both ways, yeah. But Barnsley, set, they, they could have scored from every set play. No word of a lie. They scored from two and then they missed two headers from five yards out, three headers on two other set plays. That's just from set plays. You know, when they won the ball, they kept the ball up the pitch. Um, when we were attacking them out wide, they won the one-on-one -on -one battles and stopped the crosses into the box. 
reverse everything. We didn't do any of that. They did that. When they take a throw-in, it tends to go to their player. You know, we're taking throw-ins and throwing it straight to them. What I say, out-coached, out-played, call it out-owned, whatever you want to call it. None of us on Friday were good enough. And if someone's going to quote me on all of this, quote that bit. None of us, including me, were good enough on Friday. And I can understand when fans get angry. I can understand the booing. I get it. You have to set the tempo for your fans. And when you go 1-0 down with 30 minutes to go and you don't have a wank in you and you don't have a shot, particularly after you've had all week to prepare after going out of two cups, and I hope they're prepared every day all week, and that is what you respond with in front of your fans when you haven't been at home for five weeks in a league game and you got your chance, you got good home form, that's not good enough. No, you, you want something to get behind as a fan. I mean, yes. It's a chicken and an egg when people say, well, you know, the fans, I don't want the fans to turn on me or boo or anything. But as a fan, you just want to feel as though that everyone's giving 100%. Be at it. Like, be at it. Like I just said, you've lost in the two cups. Your fans expect you to win at home. You're not being great away from home. Be at it. And our players weren't at it. And you can ask them that yourself. You know, they were outpressed, outplayed. We were outowned, outcoached, the whole shebang. Fair play, Barnsley deserved it. So that's the end of that. So that can't happen. And we're going to Ipswich. Yes, they're one of the best teams in the league, like we should have been. But, you know, I think the last couple of times we went there, we beat them. And, you, you, you know, and I know people's confidence would be lacking because of, you know, I think they had a bit of a dodgy result against Fleetwood or whatever else. Fleetwood, I think, drew with them the other night. But, you know, if we're going to win promotion from this league or even talk about promotion, you have to eventually go and win at places like Ipswich. You have to go and win at places like Plymouth. You have to go and win at places like Sheffield Wednesday. You're not going to get out of this league unless you do it. Last time we got promoted, we won at Hull away. We won at Wigan away. We won at these places. You have to go and do it. Now, can we do it? Yeah, of course. The players are there. They were there before, but they have to show up. As do the management staff. Everyone has to be on it. Has to be good on the pitch, good off the pitch, from zero to 90 plus minutes. That's what it's got to be. Um, if we're not, Ipswich will comfortably beat us. So we we have to show some bollocks about us now. That's the challenge. you know. And, and we're not going to fix it with 10 signings in January. That's not going to happen. Like, you, you know, do your fucking jobs and go and win some football games. Now, does it change how you're thinking about January? No. No. So as, as you're approaching and you're thinking about January, what what what's kind of going into your mindset of the job to be done? We, probably in January, if I was to guess what does the team need, and people would probably disagree, we need, due to the constant injuries, the issues and whatever else, we need some adjustments at left back and right back, as, as in backup and move the other players that were in there to help out to make room wage-wise with the salary cap. So Dan Butler needs competition that's fit and Joe Ward needs some competition as well. So that's what we probably need. Do we need more strikers? No. Do we need more wide players? No. Because we've shown when we're on it, we've got some of the best in the league. Central defence, I've got six central defenders. You know, in midfield, i got, you know, Chando Fuchs, I've got Jack Taylor, i got Harrison Burroughs up until the last game's been brilliant in there. So I'm not, you know, but we definitely in those fullback areas, you know, it hasn't quite happened since the summer up until now. The players we thought would step forward and they've had injuries, they've had issues, they've had bands, they've had sicknesses. So we're going to need to get some competition in there and move some of those out as well. Um, but I look at it this way with promoted teams. When you get promoted and you get relegated, you have a season to go back up. Otherwise, you need to rebuild. Because last time we came down years ago, we went straight back up. The following time we came down, we got into playoffs the following year, and then we kept a lot of the players, and then it petered out. And we should have done a full-on rebuild. 
And I, I, I've learned from that. And it took us then seven, eight years to go back up again. So, you know, we need, if, if, if this lot don't get promoted by the, by the end of the season, then in the summer, yeah, there will be a bit of a mini rebuild, you know, and, and that just has to happen. So you need a freshness. That's what you've got to do. Um, when I say mini rebuild, probably, you know, seven, eight changes to the squad, you know. Um, but that won't happen in January, no. Um, so, you know, again, you don't, the baby doesn't go out with the bat water, you know, on, on your transfer plans, on, on everything else. You just can't keep every transfer window, pull a Steve Evans and sign 20 players. Well, look, well done, David Stevenage, but you just can't keep doing that. So I want to touch on a couple of other things beyond the game at the weekend because there's, sure. uh, well, actually one of the things, let's start with, well, I'm not sure if it's a positive for a club, but it's a positive for the individuals, probably for their career. Matty Etherington and Simon Davis joined Crawley as their management team uh, a week or so ago. Yeah, I, I um, look, they haven't loved me for a while, only because I think they were upset that they probably didn't get the job longer when Fergie left, mm -hmm. you know, to try and make an impression. I think they really fancied their chances. And Grant came in the following week, and they only got one game. But I have so much respect for both of them. Barry brought them back to the club. They've done nothing but win. They won league titles at 18's level, first titles for years. They took us to the semi-finals of the Premier League under 21 Cup. We've competed. They've been brilliant. They helped out with Darren in the promotion season, in between running the 21s and stepping into the first-team squad. You know, I've nothing but good things to say about them, but I also knew deep down they weren't going to be staying with us in the summer. I knew it because Maddie was desperate to become a manager, and him and Simon felt at the time was right. Barry rang me last week and said, look, Crawley are in. Do you want to ask for compensation? And I said, no. Because of what they've done for us, they deserve to go to Crawley. They deserve a shot at the title. Whether it works out at Crawley, I don't know. Um, but I know Baz and me have thrown their names in the hat at other clubs. Um, so I'm really excited to see what they do next. We have been, and I know I read some comments from fans going, oh, this is typical of what's going on at the club. We can't stand in the way of people bettering themselves. You know, what are you meant to say to the, to the guys running the 21s? There's no vacancy in the first team. They want to go and manage a football league club. What are we meant to do? Hold them back? Do I keep them here next summer and stop them going to a club in League Two? Can't do that. Dan Ashworth came through our ranks. AD Boothroyd came through our ranks. You know, coaching, the, I think two of the coaches in the 20s and the under-19s in England came through our ranks. What am I meant to do? Stop these people? That's what it's about. Clubs at our level, you know, they give people an opportunity. And those people can go on and earn the big money in Premier League or at international level. That's what we do. When we're a Premier League club, mate, maybe we'll stop that and they stay with us. What are you laughing <laughs> No, I mean, I agree that anyone who's listening in their own career, if they felt that they deserved an opportunity for a promotion and they got the opportunity for promotion, who would say no to that opportunity? And who would want their employer, should they be under contract, to say no to them to do that? It's. I think people think when, when football comes in, we, we tend to think differently sometimes. You'll hear a lot of people talk shit about me occasionally. But you talk to ex-players, ex-managers, ex-whatever else. The one thing I don't do is stand in people's way. We'll do what's right for the club. We'll get you a move. We'll do what's right for the club if you're a coach, and we'll also help get you to move. That was the right thing for the club for them to go to Crawley. I also know they'll take a couple of our younger players in January and give them league football experience and do bloody well there. So that's also going to do us well. And if they have a great career, no doubt in my mind they could. They could end up at a top club in the champ, even the Prem then they do favours for us. That's the way it should work. And you've benefited from them while they are in that role because of the development that they've been doing with the R21s, R23s. Nothing but great things to say about them. Nothing but great things. Um, they've done a terrific job. 
and a job backed up with success. And, and they always say at 21 and 18 level, it's not about trophies, it's about pro player progression. You're absolutely right, it is. But it helps when you've won some 18s titles. It helps when you bring players through into the first team. There's a lot of young players at our club who are very thankful to Simon and Matty, the job they've done. So how do you go about replacing them? Well, the great news there is we've got um, some very good coaches inside the club and we're stepping a couple up. One that's previously been at Man City, another one that was also at Man City that was with us before. They're going to take the reins to the end of the season. We're going to see how they go for five or six months. That's what we like to do is promote from within and then we'll make a decision in the summer if they have a good four or five months and they impress us. So we're really excited about that as well. Look, our 18s are doing really well. We had a chance on Saturday to go top of our league, by the way. Mm -hmm. You do know we've gone up in category and academy. You do know the level of teams we're now playing. And our 18s, who's probably, the 16s are probably the better group, but the 18s have done incredibly well. So everything I'd like in the academy is, 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 how can I say this? Bar getting dumped out of the cup and we seem to have had a fucking nightmare in the cups this season, are doing very well. Like, you know, that that is our future, is our academy. And, I, I you know, Jason's got me sold on that for a couple of years now and buying into it. And he's absolutely right. That is the future for our football club, for sustainability, to be a really, really competent top 30 club in the UK is having a brilliant academy. And we're all in on that. Yeah, and that just attracts, when you're looking at attracting them at 14, 15, or even younger than that, it's going to help you then attract even better talent to run through that program. All the way, like from our 11s onwards. We've got some tremendous talent. So let's see how Sam's does now at the 21s. You know, he's been around our club before. He went off to Man City. He coaches with England. Let's let's see. But I think he'll do very well. So I'm excited about that. And yeah, we're, we're good there. Now, the other thing I want to touch on, because it was something that you brought up on, a, I think, an Instagram video this week, and there's been a lot of malicious rumors going around the club. Uh, I think started on message boards around um, financial health, and um, loans and debts and things like that. And I just wonder if you could address those a little bit. Salacious. I mean, I don't like threatening people legally. And I let a lot of stuff go. But some stuff you can't let go. Because you hurt the football club. You hurt the people at the football club. You know, you hurt us when we try and do business. I don't know what the agenda is. You know, you, you have people who would offer us money for players thinking we're in trouble. And it's a lot less than the players are worth. That, that doesn't do the club any good. So I was on Twitter the other night and... Somebody from uh, a local rival, you know, a, a journalist posted, oh, yeah, you know, if they don't sell Ronnie Edwards, you know, I'm hearing there's a fire sale and da-da-da. You can't post stuff like that. That's irresponsible. Like, as a journalist, you can't do that. You know, like I, I called out Ben earlier from the Peterborough Telegraph for posting about me being in the dressing room on Friday night when I was halfway up the A1. And he'll learn from that as a young journalist. But you, 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 it's irresponsible. You can't post stuff. So you've, come and ask me for a comment if you want. Fine. You might get one. You might not. But you can't post stuff without facts. So somebody going on a message board where this journalist picked it all up from and, and reading where you got 30, 40 people, majority have got an agenda and maybe you're getting fed stuff that's incorrect for a certain reason without coming to me, it blew my fucking mind. I didn't read that message board purposely, but I've sent it to the lawyers to read it because I'm just, I'm fed up. I saw bits and pieces come out. Jason spoke to Alan Swan in detail, which was, was a great article explaining everything. I'm now next week going to meet all the fans groups because I keep getting, you know, the communication, the this, the that. I spoke to one of the lead of the fans groups yesterday about some of the stuff he posted. He's emailed me for 17 years over anything he needed. And on this occasion, twice he didn't. He's gone ahead and posted stuff. He's put stuff on Twitter. And I just said, what gives? Like, what's going on here? What's the MO? I don't understand. You, you come to me over stuff a lot, you know, less than that. But you didn't bother coming to me about any of that. So 
that kind of really irked me. And I said, I'll see you next week. And I'll see. And he said it was a lack of communication. I said, okay. I said, 100 days ago, I did a fans forum. I had probably the biggest anti DMAC fan on our for on our podcast. We speak about the club every week on our podcast. I do answers on Twitter. I do videos on Instagram. Yeah, I haven't done any the last four or five weeks. I've been kind of busy with my son and stuff in, in America. Um, uh, I think Randy, when he was over, went for a beer. He saw some of the fans groups. Um, how much communication are we meant to? Should I be giving my phone number out to everyone? I, I, I'm just at what point is, is it overkill? Or you, 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 I understand fans want answers, but I'm giving answers. I talk about it. You, you ask me stuff in the podcast. People can write in every week with questions they have, and we answer them. We don't throw them in the bin. You know, we address them. Um, so I just said, okay, fine. I'll meet the owners group. I'll, I'll meet the fans groups next week. So I'm going to meet the three fans groups, and they can bring all their questions, and I'll answer every question. Then I'll say to them, does that give me a couple of months before I'm dragged in front of everyone again to deal with more salacious nonsense that's put out there? I don't know what to say, Phil. You know, words like administration, words like whatever. We have debt like everyone else. Like this journalist posted on Twitter, it was 15 or 20 million debt. It changes every day. And our accounts will be updated and show. We don't have more than 10 million quid in debt. Everyone's freaking out about the bond. The bond is two and a half million quid, payable in five years. Five years time, that's half a player sale. Um, we pay the percentage every year, as we're meant to. That's not late. Um, anyone who doesn't like that or maybe doesn't want to be in the bond, maybe maybe they can come out of the bond if they want. I don't know what the terms are if they don't like it anymore. But if you're getting your 8% or whatever percentages we pay and we're paying it on time, well, what's the issue here? Why are people worried about a bond? There's a little bit of debt to Jason and Randy's company, which is getting addressed and paid in January. No props. We've, me and Jason have already sorted the money for that. Um, you know, as Jason's mentioned in his article, the amount. That lifts any charge regards the club. Um, what else is in there? Oh, Dead out to me, dead out to Jason and Randy. People go, what if they call it in? What if DMAC, when he leaves, calls it in? Just an FYI for everyone, we can't do that. I can't just call in five million quid's worth of debt and put the club into administration. I don't have a charge on the club. Neither does Jason, neither does Randy. So we can't do that. I don't know where people think that can happen. So that can't happen. Who else do we owe? We don't owe money to the tax man. We don't owe money to the VAT man. And um, we don't owe wages. We pay them on time. Um, me and Jason, put a load of dough in at the end of October. Um, we even went down the route of, we, we had a vote and we went through the process of saying, look, instead of piling more debt in the club, we'll convert that into, uh, into equity. You know, it's because I saw the fans in the summer moaning about how much debt there was in the club. It was my idea as well to say, well, you know, we can convert. Instead of having debt there, let's put it in as equity and more share capital or whatever else. Let's do it that way. You know, and, and that was all amenable and agreeable. And, and that's something we're going through the process. And I'm going to write to that we have like 0.1% of shareholders in the club. You know, updating them to that. But that's a good thing, by the way. That's not a negative thing. So me, my missus, Jason, his missus, I believe, other parts, put money in, you know, to cover the club till January, as was always going to be expected. When you get to a season every summer, just to explain this to people, you always have a deficit. And I wrote about the deficit in the summer. And your first thing is, how do we clear the deficit? If we don't sell a player, if we don't have a cup run, that's going to come down to the owners, right? Or external uh, debt or whatever it might be. So that's our responsibility as owners. It always is. Um, usually we'll either sell a player, we'll have a good cup run. Like last year, we made like a million quid in the FA Cup. Some of those things didn't happen. So, okay, come October time, we know what the deficit is till January. It's three months. We come up with the money. Yeah, and that's what we do. We then obviously have you know debt to other uh, creditors. Okay, some of it's at extortionate interest rates. 
like you call it loan loan shark interest rates. I, for one, am fed up with the club paying that kind of money because it's a waste of money. So you rearrange the debt at much lower interest rates, you know, at much that benefits the football club in the long term. But this idea that we owe 15 and 20 million, we owe less than 10 million. I think it's even a lot less than that. You know, and by the end of January, it will be. It'll be, uh, I don't know, probably no more than 5 million by the end of January. So we have, yes, we're not winning football games. We have players, we have assets worth a lot more money. So this talk of administration and this, I don't know where it's coming from. I don't know what the agenda is. I don't know what the MO is, but no, that, that's not happening. Why would me, Jason, you know, allow our football club, you know, get into that kind of uh, situation? That doesn't benefit us. That doesn't benefit anyone at the football club. So there's a lot of rumors, a lot of gossip mongering, a lot of there's agendas, there's, there's third parties involved and whatever. I don't want to go into all of that. There's no point in going into all of that. The facts for the fans to concentrate on, pay all our bills on time. We've got the debt under control. We're shitting the bed on the football pitch. We need that. Um, so stop worrying about stuff off the field when after 17 years, I've never given you a moment's of worry or concern that you need to think like that. Never. And as long as I'm here, you, you know I would do everything within my body to keep this football club running smoothly. And to the point where, and I, I don't, again, another headline here or whatever else, but, you know, I won't be leaving in the summer. The reason I won't be leaving is Jason reached out to me around that time, the end of October, when we were talking about the future and da 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 and he was like, I understand you want downtime, you got college stuff, you got whatever else. You know, let's find a way, you know, for you to do that, still, you know, do your task at the football club and whatever else, but maybe you don't need to be there for three months or two months or whatever and try and weigh it up. My missus said the same, like, you know, don't do this. You know, you need to you need to stay involved. You know, this is this is what drives you. And I think she'd hate to see me not be involved in football because it, it makes me as a person. And Jason as well wants to buy other football clubs. And he, he doesn't want to do it without me being involved. So that was really funny. That was a conversation I was having on speakerphone. And my missus was in the car. We were driving our kids at like mini prom. And she was like, you know, you should be going, yeah, you should be saying, of course, I'll stay on. Because he was asking the question. So that was around the time we were working out money to put in and whatever else. So, you know, not that that's a big shocker. It's not will he, won't he or whatever. I'm not looking for drama. I'm not looking for attention. I get the DMAC out crowd will hate that fucking last two seconds i've just spoke about you know staying on um so it's all systems go you know we've so much to be thankful for it's like we're on thanksgiving we've so much to be look forward to yes we got debts yes we have to sort out lots of stuff make ourselves a lot more efficient improve a lot of stuff behind the scenes at the club you know get our get our expenses down because they got out of control in the championship but not to the point where we're in trouble we're not in trouble. um will we sell players in january Probably. Will it be a fire sale? No. We'll probably sell one player, two maximum. Players on the periphery will go on loan or get sold at the manager that doesn't want. We'll bring players in. The summer, we don't go up. We'll have a rebuild. But again, it's not a fire sale. We don't fire sale. Me and Barry Fry have never fire sold any player and never will. It's not what we're about. We've got a lot of talent at the club. We're just not getting the best out of them at the moment. So, you know, you know, Jason's getting stuck in now. We're talking about, obviously, the new stadium. That is obviously something that's on the horizon. But also we're talking about, to the council, to the authorities, about land near the training ground to expand the academy out to get better pitches. Why would we be having those conversations, designing new facilities at the training ground? Why, why would we be doing that? You know what I mean? If, if we're going into administration next week. I mean, I, I don't get it, Phil. I don't know. I guess 
you know, I've been probably lucky in 17 years. A lot of this stuff stayed away from my door, you know, and unfortunately it just seems to have all, you know, the last few months hit. And, and I guess, you know, people say, you know, you weren't doing well in the champ, you were losing and it was quiet. And my mom, yeah, but it's the championship. A club our size are going to lose a lot of games. I don't expect us to lose a lot of games in League One. Sounds like maybe a bit of an arrogant mindset, but with the quality of player we have, I don't expect us to lose the amount of games we have. If we won championship, yes, you know, up and down, up and down, up and down, tough, tough league. League one, no, 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 no. With, with, you read that, you read the message boards. Yeah, I read the message boards as well. Is there anything on there that you want to ask me? No, it was mostly around the administration. I mean, my opinion is uh, as a semi outsider, but obviously, I see that. Everything that you do is with the club at heart, um, you know, behind the scenes. I mean, I can see there's obviously, and, and it's it's no secret because it's been out there in the press around Randy and Jason not working together. There's, you know, the relegation, there's the poor form, there's, um, you know, talked before about the difference in cost structure of a League One club versus a championship club. So there's all these things that are, are obviously out there, but then people putting two and two together and making five. Yeah, it played a big part in my decision in the summer about when there was obviously a uh, a break, not a breakdown, but a breaking up of a partnership between them. That kind of made my mind up in July that I needed to be out of here. Do you know what I mean? Kind of thing. But at the end of the day, I guess what you'll find in life is not all partners are going to be together forever. Not all partners are going to be on the same page. All I can say is, I don't talk about my relationship with Randy, I don't talk about my relationship with Jason is, all I can say is my only interest is the well-being of the football club there's no conflict of interest in my part all right i can speak for myself I can do the same randy can do the same i am happy to put my own money into the football club have been always done so no way would i ever put this football club in administration ever no way would i allow anyone else to pull that maneuver in not a chance um that has to be as strong for the fans as needed to be heard. So, you know, I would I would sell my last watch before that football club would go into administration. Not a chance. Again, I'm sure Jason feels the same. I'm sure if you ask Randy, he feels the same. But you have to ask them. I can't speak for them. And again, I'm not trying to put rumors out there, create more headlines on a forum or whatever else. You know, I'm trying to talk for me. It's not fair for me to talk to them. And yes, whilst it's not... A walk in the park amongst ownership, whatever else, that doesn't matter to me. The football club's all that matters to me. And we're making sure that that does well, that that grows, you know, that the employees are looked after. And that's where I come in. And, and that's all I care about. So people can go on about, you know, the other day to tweet, you know, you're a devil, you need to leave, you're this, you're whatever else. Well, no, if you really knew, actually, you need me at Peter United. And, um, you know, and everything I bring to the table because it's all upside. You know, I don't bring um, any negatives to the football club. I don't bring baggage. You know, I've been around a long time, you know, and I work my arse off for the club. I do. Uh, and I'll continue to do so. Me storming out of a game five minutes to go will tell you I'm still as passionate. That's the passion, right? <laughs> if I sat there smiling and laughing to the 95th minute of us losing again, you'd know there's a fucking problem. If I went out socializing after a game or was having beers with people after the game, you'd know there's an issue that really deep down, I'm not bleeding blue. I was bleeding blue all over my fucking Range Rover on the way back up the A1. You just asked Rob, because I kicked the shit out of every inch of that car where you sat there. <laughs> you know, you know, fucking <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I hurt my knuckles, you know, from smashing the door so much. So 
I care. Um, and I know some fans don't like me. Appreciate that. You're entitled to your opinion. Um, you're entitled to say that. But my intentions are only good. And like me or love me, I'm all you got. That's it, you know. Um, you know, and, and, and again, the other guys can speak for themselves. Uh, and I'll talk to the fans groups and I'll tell people, and I'm sure they will. And you can ask them the same questions and they'll answer them. And I would imagine they'll answer them pretty much along the way I've answered them as well. So my only, only, only duty of care is to Peterborough. Nothing gets in the way of that. Nothing c conflicts with that. It's making sure Peterborough is doing well. And that's this week what I'll be doing. Starting tomorrow morning to the end of the week, I'll be working my nuts off. It's time to get some points on the board so that, you know, there is not um, this vacuum to fill of, uh, you know, everyone being pissed off that you've lost. Um, and this is how it perpetuates itself. The best way to kill unhappiness, dissent, negativity, moaning and whatever else is win some games. So they have to win some games. Do your job. Go win some games. You know, go, go and, um, you know, no matter who you're playing, put a performance in. Let your fans know that you've given it everything you've got. Even in a horrible run, come out of the horrible run and win a few games in a row. We've got a busy December coming up. Let's put ourselves in a good position for January. And by doing that, we have to win some games. So, there. Let's move on to Bradford. Yeah, it'd be nice for us to win some games too. You know, I, Are you on a bad run? Yeah, I mean, we, we didn't play Cup Week because we'd been knocked out of the Cup. But we talked last time on the pod about losing a big game at home to Northampton. And I forget what the score was now. But it was something like 3-1. Um, they kind of took us to the cleaners. We had uh, Leighton Orient at away at the weekend where you think, you know, they've had some time off. They've had time to reset, regroup, um, and 3-0. And, you know, it's a game where first 15, 20 minutes we match them. Um, first goal, probably offside, um, but they scored pretty soon thereafter, which was one of, another one of these, you said, set pieces for Barnsley. Perfectly worked set piece. They dragged us all over the place, left a big gap for someone on the end of the, the box, and he scored a worldie. Um, and at that point, game over. How's your record against the better teams? It's not great. Well, when I look, let's have a look at the table and see who's up there at the moment. I know Posh have lost the six of the top eight. Yeah. You know, that pisses me off as well. I mean, we beat Stevenage. Um, we lost to Barrow. Beat Mansfield. Beat Salford. I mean, it's kind of hit and miss. Half yeah. Okay. Orient are a good side. Probably going to win the league. Yeah. Um, you, 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 you know, 3-0, obviously, was that flattering? Was that just about right? Um, it may be a little flattering in the end because, you know, their the third was the last couple of minutes when you're throwing everything to it. But, I mean, they deserve to win. Okay, so you've had a couple of shit results. Yeah. Do, do, do you fear that turning into four or five? Um, well, we've got Gillingham away on okay. Saturday, okay. so that's an opportunity. Um you know, always a banana skin when you play. And it's incredible that Gillingham is second bottom. I can't believe that. Um, so based on form, it's an opportunity for us to right the ship. It's away as well, which I know we lost away on Saturday, but that's we've typically been okay on the road. So we'll see. I mean, we're still in the playoffs. Um, a lot of doom and gloom, but it's only two defeats. You know, before that, it was two wins. So uh, basically the last six have been two wins, two defeats, two draws. Okay, milky. Nothing, nothing to worry about. Nothing to get excited about. So right. you beat Gillingham. It's three wins and seven. Yeah, we're just not. We still the, the we haven't fixed the problems that we had at the start of the season yet, which is lack of creativity, lack of tempo, 
Uh, we've had a centre half who's been out for a few weeks, and I don't really know how long he's out for. Um, called Romney Critchlow, who is kind of central to the playing out from the back. And when you take him out and put players in that really don't have the same uh, speed, you know, it's um, it creates a problem at the back because people start rushing and panicking. Well, I'm fucking glad you didn't sign Efren Mason Clark. <laughs> <laughs> he's been our best player in the last five weeks and now i value him at about five million quid yeah we missed uh <laughs> missed that one and i'm good that you didn't sign it just can it because now he's scoring goals he's got like five and eight Has he? i didn't see how he's been doing for Barnet. Uh, yeah. one thing he was always missing was goals because he, he would play a lot higher and again he was like someone i know obviously you guys were in for but it was the you know the package or whatever else but he and again he's he's a, he's a, a creative player you're going to obviously have to do business in January, right? Yeah, we'll be doing business in January. And I don't know whether it's a formation or I think that Andy Cook is both a blessing and a curse. Mm. You know, Andy Cook scoring the goals is a blessing because, you know, you, you're, that's unexpected, the amount of goals he did score. But on the other hand, is not the world's most mobile player. And you feel like you can't drop him. So there's, you know, there's not a lot of movement up there. So when you're not scoring, it's not, it doesn't look very good. And I think that that's where we are. Maybe there's a bit of a formation change that's needed because the players, the attacking players are there. Uh, Jamie Walker, who's just come, he played his first uh, 20 minutes back from injury. So we'll get him back and hopefully he stays uh, fit and healthy. I know uh, you're pulling some eyebrows. He's had a dodgy track record. So there's a lot of ifs around that, but it's a big, um, you know, definitely, it's, definitely it's, an asset. As exactly. That's like a new signing if he stays fit. We really haven't had a number ten. Uh, we've been, you know, playing wide players in the number ten role, and it's not really worked that much. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so you're talking about basically what one, two signings of that in in, in January? I think so. I mean, I think there was always the intention of, and again, there may be some players that that go out on loan that didn't get the playing time that they wanted, or that get let go to free up some wages, um, because that's you know what will happen with a big squad. But um, I don't think there's an intention to stand still, nor is there an intention to do wholesale changes, as you said before, which in past Januarys we've been panicking and doing wholesale changes. Yeah, forget it. It's such a bad time to do business. I mean, I know that from a club perspective, the goal was January, be there at about around the playoffs, and then build in January and, and have a push. And so, you know, so far, even despite the last couple of defeats, that's where we are. And Mark, we trust. I wonder sometimes, are we trying to play in a style that we just don't have the quality of the players for? You know, I don't know if there's anything to that or not. Yeah, I, I hear you. And I remember Gus Poyer years ago, Brighton in League One, doing the same thing. And he got the best out of Brighton. Mm -hmm. He had players that were third division players playing like they were playing for Brazil in the 70s, you know, or playing for Holland in the 70s, more like it, it was that sharp incisive passing ask swansea fans the way russell martin has them playing you know when he was at mk Dons, he had them playing that way the guy in Notts county his ex-assistant probably has them playing in Notts county that way so good coaching can overcome everything so i i wouldn't buy into that you know if mark hughes is as good as you think he is and we think he is he'll, he'll make those players better you know and that's what we spoke about at the start you know you have to trust in your manager i trusted to bring in a very expensive management team because they'll make everything better and they have to do that now you know, and, and the answer is, well, I'm not assigning you 10 new players. Like, do your job. Vindicate why, you know, you were brought here. Do your job. So that's the pressure on them now, I guess. Yeah, and I have trust and faith still. I don't think that's wavered. Yeah, no, I, I, I do with the manager as well. That's not a vote of confidence. You know, he's a title winner. You know, they're having a bad moment. But, like, 
you know, work harder, do whatever needs to be done. You know what I mean? Change it up. You know, it, it's I always say the you know the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Yeah, they get paid the big books to figure out what to change. Yeah, exactly. That applies to football managers a lot of the time. You know, so yeah, so there we go. So there's the two of them. So we have got the England game on next. Yeah, so we're recording before the England game. So we just had the uh, the France game as we came into it. I'm I'm concerned. I said to my message, she's very excited, and I said. Ooh, this this is um this is a potential this is a Cameroon 1990 Roger Miller 3 2. I think that was with Lineker scoring two goals. England get through. This could be one of them games that's going to be touch cloth with goals. A lot of yeah, goals. Yeah, I'm I mean, maybe I'm nervous before, before every single England game, but this isn't a foregone conclusion by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, I mean, I guess you look at it this way they win, they're probably going home when they meet France. So, you know, it's like this could be as good as it gets. So go out and give some. I just don't see England beating France. I hope I'm wrong. No, we just um, we just watched the uh, the France-Poland game. And it's funny, I was doing my prep for this at halftime. And one of the things I wrote in my prep was, is Mbappe underrated or overrated? And then he scores two just amazing goals in the second half. He's as good as he wants to be. Yeah. He, he can be sensational. What I want to see him do is do it in England or Spain. Mm-hmm the French League. I want to see him. He should be at his age playing for Madrid or playing for not Man fucking City, playing for Liverpool in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. Because I think he would he would do what Thierry Henry Thierry Henry did five times over in the Premier League. He, he is I love him. My only concern with him is is his whole game is based on pace. I want to make sure those hamstrings stay healthy. You know while maybe the level of quality is not a good comparison, but you think about Michael Owen soon as he lost his pace, you know, there was really not a lot left to him. Yeah, but I love Mbappe. I do. And, uh, you know, he's um, he's lighting up the... Uh, England can beat France, by the way. They get through Senegal. That French side, I, I think they're making a mistake not having Kanate from Liverpool in the back line. When Kanate was in there in the first group game, they looked much quicker and solid at the back. And I think England can hurt France. Yes, Mbappe can hurt England. If Carl Walker's fit, they'll have to play him to counter the pace. But I honestly think England, if they wanted to, and we're on the offense instead of defensive-minded, maybe, could beat France. It's one of those games, yeah, if we did get through, it should it should have 4-4 written all over it, and it probably ends up nil-nil and going to penalties. Let me tell you, the France, France have got strength and depth. I don't like them defensively. You know, I, of course, out wide, they're Mbappe, Dembele, the other side, they're strong. Everyone knows about Giroud. You know, Maguire should absolutely relish playing against Giroud. That's the kind of aerial battle he does well in. And then the French midfield aren't exactly full of goals. You know, so you can neutralize them and hurt them the other way. No doubt in my mind, they can be hurt. So be interesting. Brazil, for me, are going to win the World Cup comfortably. Yeah, you, you're still standing by that. I stand by that. Said it at the start, say it again. I like Argentina and Brazil. We talked about Argentina. Um, I, I think they've disappointed somewhat. Is Messi carrying them? They've been awful. But I say that, and I've seen worse Argentina sides get to the final of yeah. World Cups. So, you, you know, when you say awful, and then you look at the defensive record, and you look over 40 games, how many goals and clean sheets they've had and no goals conceded. They are tough to break down. Yes, Australia gave them a scare. But I just think as it goes later, would you fancy Argentina in a penalty shootout every day of the week? I would. Yeah. So I'm just like one of them where as it gets tighter and tighter, um, I just I still think Brazil-Argentina, they're your two outstanding you know, call-outs to win. There'd be no surprises outside of that. Now, at the time we record, when we actually publish all the round of 16 will be finished, but the time we record, the only... Uh, 
uh, next round, it, what it would be the quarterfinals, won't it? Um, is uh, Netherlands Argentina. Um, so your money on is on Argentina for that one. My money is on Argentina and penalties because I think it'll be nil nil. Mm -hmm. I think Netherlands obviously counter attacking the way he's got them playing. Van Halen's pissing the media off in Holland. They think it's boring, but it works. I think Argentina are so good defensively. I think it'll be neutralised. I don't think Messi's playing as well as everyone thinks. He scored a couple of goals, but I think he looks a yard off. Uh, everyone's jizzing in their pants over him as usual um, on all the different like networks. But I can see that being nil-nil or one-one in penalties. I do, and I think Argentina will win on penalties. What do you make of the uh, slightly off-topic, the Messi to into Miami uh, rumors? Messi coming to America? Yeah, I just I've always said it's the graveyard, isn't it, for mm -hmm. for big time. Um, I think it would be a real shame for him if that's where he ends up going. Definitely. Like, you know, would I have liked to have seen him spend a year at Man City under Pep one more time? Coming on as a sub, little cameo roles, you know, whatever else, playing in a Man City side 3 0 up, um, you know, already. Yeah, I'd have liked that. Inter, Inter Miami, do me a fucking favor. Well, Phil Neville's going to be his coach. <laughs> you might as well just give Messi all the jobs if you bring yeah, him to Miami. I like Level and everything else, but I guess it's it's I guess what that is, it's an enterprise deal. I think he's getting a percentage of the club. Yeah, he's up to help their valuation, and that's why they're making the deal happen. If it does happen, but again, I'm kind of like, you know, two years too soon. People of that ilk and quality should be gone out there when they're 39, 40, not when they're 35, 36. Um, now staying with the US, I have to say that you know, in the last podcast I talked um down about the US and, you know, not necessarily wanting them to do well, but I actually really took to this US team. Um, they feel like good young team. They don't have the arrogance of, of past American teams. Yeah, needed a striker. I'll tell you the two problems for the USA. I like the US team. I like the pressing. I like the style. They're very young, third youngest. I said to you in the podcast, they're going to be a threat at 2026 home. Um, I think they need a better coach. I think they need a number nine. And I think they need two better center halves. Because it's like dad's army back there. Um, but I like everything else about their team. I like the energy. I love Adams in midfield. I like the boy Aronson who comes off the bench. He should have been in the team. Um, there's a lot to like about the US team. They're getting better. What they don't have is a number nine who's a greedy motherfucker for goals. Because they have so many chances, so many sitters. They rely on Pulisic. You know, everything goes through him. That you know, Way's not really that out and out number nine. There must be a nine out there. I know the boy that went to West Brom was American. He got injured. Was it Dyke? Yeah, Danny. It... He was at Barnsley as well. And was when Barnsley got in the playoffs. Yeah, very effective. He's more of a target man, but he's a goal scorer. But they need two strikers coming into that squad in four years' time that have got goals in them because they've got a great midfield. They've got good fullbacks. They've got pace, power. They've got Pulisic. You can play in that hole. You can you get them ticking. What they need is they need stronger centre half and they need striker and, and a good manager. And I think they've got a hell of a fucking chance. Well, I mean, they could probably go and get a, a very good European-based coach to go in there and take them to the next level. My opinion. And they just seem like good kids. I mean, they're like role models. Like you look at some of the England players and think the same. I love the captain. How he he dealt with that asshole yeah. uh, um, journalist from Iran. He was trying to like throw in his face, you know, you come from a country and it's, you know, BLM and it's how they treat people. And he was really trying to bait the kid. And he's 24, Tyler Adams, 23, 24 captain. I thought he was magnificent the way he answered. Because remember I said in my podcast, uh, this power podcast, like six or four weeks ago, I feel sorry for some of the younger players that are going to get stuff thrown at them about corruption, politics, 
um, all the stuff going on in Qatar, and some of those young players are going to be so terrified of saying the wrong thing. It's very unfair to put that pressure on them, right? So when I saw that, I was flying over here. I thought, wow, well done, Pop. Yeah, I thought he did a great job. I'd have fucking like, you know, <laughs> you know me. I'd have fucking like buried that motherfucker. <laughs> He'd been on a plane back to Iran or whatever way it was to pronounce it. He'd been like, fucking get the fuck out of here. But no, he handled it really well. It was like, well done, well done to him. No, I like him. There's a lot to like about them. I was rooting for them. You know, I class myself now as a bit of an American living in the States. Um, yeah, just a shame their pathway went that way, you know, who they were playing next and whatever else. And even against Holland at 2-1, they had a chance to equalise at 2-2. And the striker goes around the goalie and takes a 30 fucking yeah, yards. Yeah, just a bad touch. Better striker. It's 2-2. Yeah. Then yeah. Holland was shit. They were, they were on worst enemy um, against Holland because that was winnable. They, they put themselves in a position to win it. 100%. So, you know, there's a lot to like about them. There's a lot of players that will be so much better in four years. I think another three or four of them could end up in the Premier League and look how better they become. Yeah. Can't have them playing in the MLS. Most of that squad, 60% of them, have to be playing in Germany, in England, in Spain, in Italy. That's how America becomes a superpower in football. Yeah, and you were seeing that more and more. I mean, you look at that squad, and a lot of that squad are now playing overseas. It's not your squad of 12 years ago uh, where everyone's playing in the MLS and it's just the best of the MLS. Correct. Hence why they look better. And that's what they're missing. If they'd had a striker from RB Leipzig or a striker from fucking Arsenal or a striker from Liverpool, it was American, that's where they have a chance. So that's what they've got to do. The next batch coming out, they've got to find four or five more additions to that squad. And America... I would fancy to get to the semi-finals or the final in America in four years. Definitely. Without I, a doubt. I wouldn't be surprised either. Which would blow up the MLS big time. Yeah, and I was going to say, our nine-year-old came home with homework on, um, I think it was before the Iran game, and the homework was basically uh, pick the score, USA versus Iran, pick two players that you want on their numbers, do multiplication based on their numbers. But, Very you know, good. it's the first, it's actually been, football's been acknowledged in schools and everyone's really getting behind it. So I think this team really got a lot of the country behind them. Growing sport. You know, I, I, want, I wanted to open up like satellite academies for Peterborough in the States because I think it would be great financial revenue for the club. And I just think it's because so many parents pay six, seven grand a year for soccer camps. And I think we could run our own soccer camps out in the USA and make a lot of money. Do you know what I mean? So it would be good for our club and also for talent in the USA. But... It is. It's growing and growing and growing. So, look, good luck to them. I think, you know, there's a lot of stuff to be optimistic about. Last 16 in the world, they're, they're ranked 15th. I think they could be top 10 ranking by the time that comes around. Yeah. So, let's wrap up on your highlight of the tournament so far. Ooh, highlight of the tournament so far would be... I probably enjoyed watching um, Brazil in the first game. Mm-hmm. The goals from Richarlison, the, the, the was on Thanksgiving, you know, the overhead kick or whatever else. Um, seeing Mbappe obviously do his business for France. Um, some of the surprises in the games, obviously the bigger teams going home like Belgium. Um, you know, uh, who else? Uruguay obviously went home. The group games the other night between was it Spain, Japan, right, Germany. When Spain were out at one point. At one point with five, ten minutes to go, both Germany and Spain were out. You know, which was just, I was messaging my missus going, can you fucking believe this group? Japan have probably been the highlight for me, the way they've acted, the way they've played, the way they, they're like fearless. You know, they went and beat Spain. They came out in that second half to beat Germany. Imagine England, Germany and Spain at the same World Cup. 
When's that happened? Well, Japan have beaten Germany and Spain at the fucking World Cup. You know, that's probably my highlight. What's your highlight? Um, from an individual, get, I love all the jeopardy in the groups that has happened, like the going backwards and forwards. It's not just been every group has been the top two you expect to win, you know, six points going into the last game and all the groups are decided. The individual game that I probably enjoyed the most was um, Argentina-Saudi Arabia when that like second half turnaround. Um, that kind of that kind of started the unexpected, uh, the flurry of unexpected results, <laughs> and probably did Argentina a big favor. Yeah, it probably woke them up. They haven't lost in forty games. Mm -hmm. It probably did a massive favor. Sometimes you need that, you know, to get you going. So yeah, interesting. But no, it's been it's been terrific. I've I've enjoyed watching it. Obviously, everyone's still you know moaning about all the stuff off the pitch. But Jason's gone out there. He's there for the England game today. So I saw him looking happy. Um, with his England shirt on. Yeah, so it'll be, be interesting to hear his opinion and everything out there, what it's like. I think he wanted to stay in the fans' village in a tent, and I was like, you fucking mad, but his wife made him come to his senses and he booked into my hotel. <laughs> so it's like, he's not right. Imagine staying in a tent. So uh, it'll be interesting. I'm seeing he's coming over next week, so it'll be interesting to see what he what his thoughts are. But listen, let's help England do the business. You know, I'll, be, I'll have a happy wife. I'll have a happy podcast partner. You know, I'll have happy fans over here. Need some happiness in football. All right, well, let's uh, cross our fingers for uh, yeah kickoff in 45 minutes or so. So we shall see soon. Because um, we didn't cover any questions or anything like that today, but do please keep them coming. Like Dara said, we don't um, delete them or just you know put them in the trash or anything like that. We uh, we try and answer as much as we can, um, and not, nothing's off limits. So um, so send them in. Um, you can do that just by uh, DMing us as usual on Twitter. Although now Elon Musk is probably going to read all of our DMs. So maybe you want to email them instead. Um, contact at hardtruthfootball.com or via the website. So until next week, we'll talk to you soon. Cheers, guys. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye.